Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. of God. And uh, I would encourage you to get a small group guide. Next week, we're going to launch our small groups. It's going to be a great week. But, but uh, maybe ask the Lord where he would have you engage. And then uh, another roadblock to healthy thinking is we forget that what we feed our mind grows. Whatever you feed your mind, whatever thoughts you feed your mind with, that is what is going to grow. And our, our, our life will always move in a pattern towards our thoughts. So, so whatever thoughts you allow to grow in your mind is what your life is going to grow towards. Uh, I was thinking about an example of this this week. When I was um, about 20, 21, I got this job, and it was supposed to be an office job. But my boss said to me about halfway through the summer, I would really like you to go out and dig a six-foot trench For the op cable, it was like when cable, and this is eight eons ago when like fiber optics was coming in. And I, I don't know why I was the one chosen, but I was knighted with the job of digging a six inch. Now it wasn't like, I would like to tell you that it was like four feet, but it started off just being four feet. But then he was like, no, I think, I think actually it's got to be a bit longer. It turned out to be like a kilometer long. Now I know I look like a beast of a person. I am not. <laughs> I, and I was very, very not, not strong, similar to now. So I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I had to take this pickaxe, and it was um, in this little town called Creef, which, by the way, their bedrock is all rock, rocks, rocks. Okay, so not, no soil, like this much soil, all the rest rocks. So I would get out there. <laughs> I would get out there every day, and I would start to dig this trench. Now... Listen, I had two ways of thinking about this. I could have thought, listen, this is, this is my way to strength. I could have been a bodybuilder by now. But instead, I did not think that. With every, with every pick of that axe, I thought, I hate this job. Why do I have this job? I hate it so much. And uh, I, uh, I would go home for dinner. I was still living at home at the time, and I would sit at the table. My dad would say to me, how's your day at work? What do you mean, how was my day at work? Okay, we're not going to ask you then, because you know if you've got young adults, sometimes you just don't talk. So I would, uh, and every day, now I want to tell, I would like to tell you that I got convicted and changed my ways. I did not. Every day of that job, I was more and more angry because I was feeding the anger with every pick of the eye. I was like, why did I get chosen to do this job? Nobody signed me up for this job. It wasn't in my job description. I have wimpy arms. Well, who would think that I should build a trench? It was terrible. I, I was so angry by the end of the summer that, listen to me, now I'm generally a fairly upbeat kind of person, but this was my review, and I still get hot ears talking about it. My review, my, the boss said at the end of the day, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have like a review of your job. You know how if you're a good boss, that's what you do when someone ends their career with you. And uh, 
he sat down with me and I was, I was, I, oh yeah, we're going to have a review. I'm going to be telling you about this trench. And he said to me, this is, all, this is what he said to me, you seem quite angry. And in that moment, listen, I remember thinking, I made myself this way. Because I fed myself thoughts that somehow life had not treated me fairly. Like somehow this was like an injustice that I would have to do physical labor during a $10 an hour job. And, and I realized, I, I realized something big in that moment. That in my life I was going to have to build all kinds of trenches. Well, I might never have to build another one kilometer, six foot deep trench with a pickaxe that entirely rock. But there was going to be all kinds. And I had the choice. That summer I made the choice to feed myself negativity, and my family felt it, and everybody around me felt it, because anytime you went out for coffee with me, guess what I was talking about? The trench, and how unfair it was, and how terrible it was. But that summer, I, I realized that it, for the next 80 years of my life, I was going to be a series of me building trenches, and the question was not was I, was I going to build trenches. The question was how I was going to feed my mind when I was in the middle of trenches. You see, the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is not whether you're going to have to build trenches. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. In this life, you're going to have trouble. The question is what are you going to do with it with your mind? Are you going to allow it to control you? I look at it now and think if I only, if someone gave me the job, like the only thing I had to do was build a trench. Sign me up. It's like going to the YMCA for free and not for 50 bucks a month, right? But, but much of what we deal with is about our perspective. And that, that's not to say things are not hard. And listen to me this morning. I'm not comparing some of the pain that some of us have had to walk through. That it's all like digging a trench. Because there is very real pain. But regardless of the pain that we deal with. We have to understand that what we feed our mind will grow. And our life will grow in a pattern towards our thoughts. So if I think all my relationships are terrible and I begin to feed that, everyone's terrible. All my relationships are terrible. Everybody hates me. I can't do anything right. Then my life begins to go in that direction. So these are the roadblocks to healthy thinking. Let's talk, though, about what the scripture tells us. What are the pathways to productive thinking? I think the first thing we have to understand is this, is that God wants to renew our minds, and we must let him. Romans 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, um, the world wants to squeeze us into its mold. But God says, no, I, I want to renew your mind. I want to renew your mind. The, the, the verb here, uh, to be renewed, to be transformed, is used two times in the New Testament. The first time it's used is when Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he becomes something else, the Holy Spirit actually turns him into something else. The truth this morning is that God wants to transform your life. He wants to transfigure your life so that you look absolutely different than you did before. He can't do that, though, if we don't let him. And he won't do that if we won't let him. Some of us, we've been feeding our mind all kinds of, of things, and the Holy Spirit is, is quietly whispering to you today, I want to transform you. 
But we just have to say yes to him. God wants to transform us into, into uh, his belief of us. And, and the thing is, this solves a lot of problems. Because a lot of people say to me, a lot of people ask me this, uh, Pastor Jess, how do I know the will of God? Like, how do I know what to do? How, how, I can't figure out where I should go to school, who I should marry, what I should do, what house I should buy, and all these kinds of things. The Bible gives us very clear instructions. Here's how we know the will of God. Allow our minds to be transformed. This is not hocus pocus. This is about the supernatural power of God. And this is where we say, God... I need you to transform my life. Just like you transformed Jesus on the Mount, uh, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, the other time this scripture is talked about is in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where Paul taught believers that as they behold the glory of the Lord, they're being transformed into his likeness. As they behold the glory of the Lord, they're being transformed. How do we behold the glory of the Lord? Well, I'll tell you this, you can't behold the glory of the Lord when you've been watching Netflix for 18 hours solid. Or Prime, or Hulu, or Crave, or Disney Plus, or whatever it is. It's, listen, we actually have to spend time in his presence if we're to behold his glory. There's no substituting spending time with God for him to be able to transform us. And let me just put a little plug for the days of prayer and fasting. I, I know that churches, we always just expect a portion of people to come out to a prayer meeting. Can I just encourage you to come tonight? Man, all of us are in need of being transformed by the Spirit of God. So would you just come and take an hour tonight from 6 till 7 and just spend an hour in his presence? I believe God wants to transform us. God is in the business of transforming us. He wants to make us new. We just have to put ourselves in the position to do that. The, the second thing that God uh, does is this. He, he, hel he helps us, he allows us, or he asks us, that we must take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Okay, the thing with Romans is that you get these very long, um, long scripture verses, and if you don't break them down, you can just go, yeah, that's, that's nice. Wow, that was a lot of verbs, a lot of things to do there. And I, I want to highlight one part of this verse that says that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. Listen, if we want to be transformed, this is not a passive action. This is not a, oh, I signed up and, oh, here I am, transformed. We actually have to partner with God to make this happen. This means that when you have thoughts that are not godly, you've got to take that thought and say, I'm capturing that thought right now, and I'm making it obedient to Christ. When the enemy comes and lies to you and tells you that you'll never amount to anything, you'll never get through this sin, you'll always be stuck. You take that thought and you take it captive and say, in Jesus' name, I will, I am an overcomer. God has given me the power and the ability to do that. When you get a, a thought that says you'll be lonely forever, there'll never be anybody that will love you. You take that thought and you take it captive and make it obedient to Jesus because Jesus says that you are enough, that you're more than enough. Listen, this idea of taking our thoughts captives means that we actually have to think about our thoughts, though. 
It means that we actually have to be aware of what thoughts we're thinking so that we can say, no, I'm not going to live in bondage anymore. I'm actually going to live free this year. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. This is not just rhetoric. We, like, I think we say this, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Well, we sing songs about it. But we don't, we don't know what it means. Tell you what it means to live in freedom. It means that we don't let the enemy get any, any footholds in our lives. If it feels like you're not going to make it, you just got to take that thought captive and say, in Jesus' name, I am going to make it. Because God is who he says he is. And he is on the throne in my life. I am going forward in Jesus' name. For some of you, you you actually have to preach this to yourself. Because you know when you're kind of in a rut? Like, I've told you about my ruts many times, so this is not... You kind of get, you get in a rut, and then like anything anybody says, you're like, yeah, whatever. We think that teenagers only say, yeah, whatever. They do say, yeah, whatever. But adults, we say it too. And so we sing songs about, I, I, I come alive in the river. And you think, I come alive in the river, I'm dead. I come alive in the river, what year is it, 2040? I come alive in the river. I am not coming alive in the river. Don't, don't make me clap. Okay, so, so we do this. I, the only way... The only way that we come alive is we, we got to preach this to ourselves. We have to say to ourselves, enemy, I am not. I am not listening to your lies anymore. I am not stuck. I am not a warrior. My marriage is not dead. My life is not over. I am an overcomer in Jesus' name. And we got to be fierce about it. I, I'm telling you, some of us have lost our passion. And part of it's because life has maybe beat you down. Or maybe you've prayed prayers that you felt like haven't been answered. And so you just, you don't have the, and this is why we need each other. Because there's somebody in this room today that's got some get up and go. And you need to find, listen, when you get into a rut like that, you've got to find somebody who will speak to your spirit. Who will speak to you in the dark places. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death and you need somebody that's going to come to you. And look at you in the eyes and say, you can do it. You can get up. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you? And, and you need to decide. By, by the way, I, I have known this, and maybe this is just me, and so maybe I'm only speaking to people like me, but sometimes when people speak truth to me, my first reaction is like mad. Like, of course I know that. Like, I kind of want to be in, tell me something I didn't know. I don't need any of your pat Christian answers, and I kind of want to go in that direction can I just encourage you if you're that kind of person just to like suspend your judgment for a few minutes and allow the word of God to permeate your heart and your spirit you're going to be happy you did when you get out of that rut okay so we take every every thought and make it captive to Christ and listen there's all kinds of thoughts it's not just one kind I think as I think Christians tend to fixate on like one or two things but like what about greed and envy jealousy what about gossip what about all these kinds of things that we don't really talk about very often but but we got to take those thoughts captive too so we take them captive and then then we have to um okay so we understand this that god wants to transform us we got to come in line our faith has got to line up with god and say yes god i know you want to transform me you're not willing that i stay how i am okay so we say god i'm open to you and then we take every thought and we make it captive and obedient to the will of god and to the word of god 
And then the third thing is this. Uh, we have to train our minds to think about good things. And uh, the Bible talks about this over and over again. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's a promise of God to us that he'll keep us in perfect peace if we keep our minds focused on Jesus. And Philippians 4, 8 to 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen from me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice that it doesn't say, and fixate about the news. If you are on the news, you know that there's all kinds of talk of swirling around about World War III and we should all be afraid and build a bunker. And You notice it doesn't say, like, fixate on all the things that are going wrong in the world. Because there's a lot of things going wrong in the world. We can acknowledge that. There's a lot. It says whatever's true. Well, what's true is that God is in control. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is excellent or pure or lovely, like, we have to train our minds to think about these things. I like Colossians 3, 1 to 2. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so seek the things, look for the things that are above. That means don't worry about temporal things. Seek the things that are above. And then it says, set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. Now, this doesn't mean, okay, what the scripture doesn't mean is that like, Somebody wants to tell you about their broken leg, and you're like, I'm sorry. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus right now. Too bad for you. Take an Advil. Um, that's not what that scripture means. It does not mean that we're like, well, whatever. I'm not going to pay my mortgage now because I'm fixing my eyes on. I wish that's what it meant, but it doesn't mean that, okay? It means that we don't fixate. The word actually means to fixate on things of the earth, like, that we would be so concerned with the things that are here and now that we can't, uh, that we, we tend to lose sight of the fact that we're not living for the here and now. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that this life is like a vapor. It's like here today, gone tomorrow. And if you're only living for things right now, listen, let me even just speak to good, if you're only living for even the good things that are here and now, can I speak just for a moment to the idolization and I have spoken to this before, but let me speak to you again. The idolization of our family. If you're, if you're only living for your family right here, and listen, uh, your family is good and you should love them and care for them and they should be your priority. But if that's all you've got, it's like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. This, this is why no matter what happens to us, we can live with all kinds of hope because we're not just living for the here and now. We're living for eternity. So we fix our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that started it. He's the one that uh, will complete it. You know, um, when I first started pastoring, I had a girl that um, came to the church. I, I was in my early 20s, and she came to our church on a Sunday morning, and she met me sort of out in the lobby. She was a bit older than I was, and she said, I was wondering if I could meet with you this week. And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I was really excited when anybody wanted to meet with me. <laughs> I will be there 3 a.m., sure. And uh, so anyways, she didn't want to meet with me at 3 a.m. Uh, but we did meet in the afternoon, and she told me um, a little bit of her story. So when she was five years old, her parents, in, she was hiding in a closet. Her parents were very abusive, and she watched her parents kill her younger sibling. 
she had a little sight, of, sight line of it in the closet. And um, she went to a neighbor's house and told the neighbor her parents were on drugs and it was a nightmare of a situation. The police came and they obviously took her away from her family and she was put into foster care. Unfortunately, the foster care home that she was put in abused her so badly, tied her up and put her in a basement. And um, she stayed there for a number of years until she was able to get out from there. And then she uh, went to another foster home, which wasn't a whole lot better. She went to about 15 or 16 different foster homes, most of them being abusive. I mean, this girl had just lived the worst life. I don't know if you could have um, painted a worse picture of a life, but somewhere around the fourth grade, she was um, in a really tough home, but there was a little girl in her fourth grade class who told her about Jesus. Now listen to me, parents. Don't ever tell me that your kid's faith doesn't matter. Because in the fourth grade, my friend Renee had a little girl tell her about Jesus, and she said, um, I went over to her house for lunch, um, and her mom was really nice, and she said, I know exactly what she made me for lunch. It was a grilled cheese sandwich. And her mom then told me about Jesus. And she said, I got moved from my foster home about um, two weeks after that time. But she said, I never forgot what they told me about Jesus. Fast forward her life uh, to an adult. She uh, got adopted by uh, some nice people. And um, at about 25, she said she woke up and she heard the voice of God. And uh, she heard the Lord say to her, you need to go to a church. So she came to our church. And she said, I felt like I needed to get a, a Bible. So she got a Bible. And as years went on, uh, Renee became, uh, if you were to meet Renee today, you'd never know this about her. You went on her Facebook profile. All you can see is her saying, whatever befalls me, yet will I serve the Lord. You know, a couple years into this, I said to her, Renee, like how, like you should be really mixed up. Like, I don't even know that you should be, like, like, living a regular life. And she lives a regular life. And she said, I had to train myself. I wasn't going to focus on all the things that hurt me. Now, listen to me. She'd gone through years of therapy. This is not negating uh, hard work that she did. But she said, even in my day-to-day -day life, I just determine I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. I'm not living for the here and now. <clears throat> she would always say to me, well, you've you got to tell people that if the here and now is all there is, we might as well all give up. She said, like, I should give up, lay in the fetal position and, like, forget it. But we're not living for, for just now. We're not living for just now. We're living, I, I, I want to tell you that if my friend Renee could train herself to think about whatever was good, whatever was pure, whatever was holy, then you can too. And you can too. There's the, I know some of you have this little thought, well, you don't know my life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know all your life. But I do know this, the God who created you, the God who breathed on you, the God who determined that you should be somebody on this earth has determined that you can make it. Well, we got to determine this year that this, we're going to have the habit of deciding to think about whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is of good report, think about these things. Think about these things. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. And, and then finally, I, I want to just talk about this, and then we're going to end. 
I think we've got to learn to speak the word of God over our lives. So we're going to think about whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy. But there's something powerful about speaking God's word over ourselves. Um, I know this uh, because we actually do this in just outside of even anything spiritual. When you really want to remember something, you don't just think about it. You talk to yourself. Oh, at least I do. I say, I have to remember to go to the grocery store to buy milk because we are out because I have a 14-year-old boy who drinks milk like it is like going out of style. So I got to go to the grocery store to get milk. I said it out loud now. See that, Dave? We're going to get milk today. Um, it's a very exciting day, 2020. Um, uh, so we do this all the time when, we, when something is very important. We say, this is why when people get married, they don't say their vows like in their head. Now say your vows in your head. That would be weird. You actually wouldn't be married. We say them out loud so that we hear them. It's partly for ourselves so that we can remind ourselves what we've said. Anything that's important. You become a citizen of Canada. You, you say the citizenship thing. I don't know what it is. The oath. Thank you. Thank you. You say the citizenship oath out loud. They don't say, hey, now think about it. Think about becoming a Canadian. Just keep that in your head and heart. You're not a Canadian if you won't say it out loud. And there, there is something powerful about our words. And we know this because Jesus, when he went into the desert in Matthew chapter 4, he, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which is a whole sermon on its own. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit uh, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now... Jesus could have just, and then Jesus prayed in his heart, not out loud, but he prayed in his heart, but that doesn't say that. It says, and Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus goes through this time after time after time. He speaks the word of God over himself. Oh, he speaks it to the devil, he commands the devil to be gone. He's speaking it over, over himself. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He goes on and on. There's something very, very powerful and important about speaking God's word over ourselves. So some of us, it's not enough for us. To, it's not enough for me to stand up here and just say, think whatever is pure and holy. Because that, if, if you took that by itself, it could, it could run into humanism, right? Like, just think positive thoughts. Welcome to Oprah this morning. That's not what we're talking about. We're not just talking about thinking positive things. We're, we're actually talking about taking a powerful weapon, which is the word of God, and speaking that over ourselves, declaring it over ourselves, saying, God, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, even though, parents, we all got to get up at like 545 tomorrow. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a good day. We have to learn to do that. That's actually how we break some of the enemy's hold over our bad thinking. When you confront the enemy's lies with the word of God, it breaks something in the spirit realm. It breaks something in your life. And it gives us the opportunity um, to really begin living in freedom. And I love this that Jesus in verse 10 said this. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Uh, there is a time where we just say, enough, 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 devil, away from me. Some of our thinking, we need, we need that kind of resolve, that we would say this year, enough, 
I'm not having that kind of thinking anymore. Enough. Be gone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship the Lord my God. I'm going to serve him only. I'm going to fix my eyes on him, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Just for a minute. Listen, we don't close our eyes or bow our heads for religious reasons. We do that so that we can just have a moment of reflection. I believe that God is here. I believe that he's called you to your best year yet. That 2020 could be your, can be and is supposed to be your best year yet. This is not just some pie in the sky idea, but this is actually the word of God to us. That we would be renewed, that we would be transformed to be more like him. So I, I wanted to speak the word of God over you this morning from our text for this series that says, therefore we do not lose heart. Therefore we do not lose heart. Some of you who are in this place today have um, come here and you, you've just about lost heart. You actually don't, it's hard to hear that 2020 is going to be your best year because you knew what 2019 was. I want to call you though again I want to call you to hope I want to call you not to lose heart but to believe that God is in the midst of your formation because outwardly you might be wasting away but inwardly we are all being renewed day by day can you just let that just sink into your spirit inwardly you're being renewed day by day in this moment right here and now that God is working on you and if you'll let him he'll transform you now some of you say Jess well like I've been a Christian for like 10 years and it's like been the same for the last 9.58 years I don't feel like I'm being renewed how do I, I want to encourage you just in this moment maybe, maybe there are areas of your life that you haven't given completely over to God in this moment I want to encourage you just to say God all of me to all of you all of me to all of you. God, I want to give myself afresh and anew in this year. Because God wants to transform you. The Holy Spirit wants to transform you. But it does require action on our part. It requires us to say, God, here I am. All of me. Some of you are here and you haven't yet made that decision. You haven't said, Jesus, I want to give myself to you. Today's your day. 2020 is your year. It's the best year of your life. This is the best day of your life. God just wants you to say to him, this is not about religion. This is not about following a certain set of rules. This is about coming to God and saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I want you in my life. And that, that step that you take is a transformative step. I always want to call people, though, to make that decision. Because a lot of people will say, well, like, I'll just kind of like slide into it. Like, you know. Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. So I always want to call people to make that decision. Today's your day. Maybe you have never made that decision before. You've never said, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you just, uh, I, I want to pray for you today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I don't want to embarrass you or point you out. I, I just want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to wait another minute. So for the sake of people on your left and right, would you just pray this prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me, to take away all my sins. Jesus, I thank you that you rose again, proving that you were God. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.